Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name is Adam. And my name is Jeremy. We are here to discuss two more in-betweeners before we get to the big show, The Extinction Agenda. We're going to talk about X-Men Spotlight on Star Jammers number two, wrapping up our Star Jammers synopses, whatever you want to call them. I'm sorry. Measuring. I'm sorry. The who? <laughs> the, uh, um... Star Jammers, where are you now for me? Oh, that, that's like the movie song. Like the, <laughs> the old song was like the TV show song. And now now we've gone cinematic. So we have a, a new special song. Star Jammers Incorporated. Mm, it's just not the same, Adam. <laughs> you can't go back, man. We, we caught a special moment in time. Adam, this podcast is literally about going back. Uh, that's an interesting point you make there. <laughs> but we ourselves can't go back to our past selves. But anyone who is listening can definitely go back to uh, listen to those older, much, much older episodes. We've been doing this for almost 10 years. Or has it been over 10 years? Something like I that. Don't know anymore. And we're still not internet celebrities. <laughs> we're like internet sea celebrities. Oh, I don't even know. That's probably giving yourself too much credit. Well, like there is a certain level of celebrity when I guess people watch or listen to your show. But yeah, we're not like celebrities in any meaning of the <laughs> word. We're not even like there's like a there's like real celebrities, then there's like YouTube celebrities, then there's like I don't know, six more levels, and then there's at the very bottom, there's us. Yeah, okay. I can get behind that. I think that's a good uh, uh, a good perspective. Um, okay, well, this, this Star Jammers cover has some Star Jammers on the cover. This is a bad cover. It's not good. The couple of things that I noticed uh, uh, is that Chode has a back fin, and I don't know that I knew that before. Oh, so we're all learning stuff. <laughs> Shadow Cat is on this cover, so evidently she's joined the Star Jammers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Wonder Man is in the back right behind Binary, so he joined yeah, the Star Jammers. He does look like Wonder Man. In the front, I'm going to go with a Professor Xavier in a blue and red costume with like a, I don't know, a brain implant. Who's the guy from Superman? It's like Bizarro or not Bizarro, but uh, oh. he... Superman has like a brain vil- villain that he fights. And that looks like it reminds me of that guy. I don't know who that is. Brainiac. That's ah, what it is. Okay. That's who, oh, the guy in the foreground looks like? Sure. Yeah. Or a, a green. Coming in from DC. A green Lex Luthor. Yeah, sure. Uh, and then uh, I guess a uh, human torch flying in towards Corsair. I was thinking that was like reverse binary. That's fine. Because it's, <laughs> it's not quite human torch. Um, but it's the closest parallel I could come up with. Yeah, it's uh, it's not a great cover. It could be a better cover. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. There's the weirdness of the stark white background kind of, I don't know, makes you focus on... The characters? Some, some of the faces, and some of the faces are not the greatest. But that's consistent with the issue. Hmm. Some things are really great. I like the character... Like, I like all the character designs for these, except for... Corsair, who I've never really gotten behind, but uh, Corsair is definitely a relic of the mid to late seventies. Yeah, he needs to update his style. 
Well, he's in space. He's like, this style will never go out. I'm a space pirate. Space pirates, pirating across the universe. Space pirates. Oh, I gotta work on. <laughs> uh, he's like Hepzibah. This is this is what everybody on the planet looks like. I'm aces. What is a star jammer anyway? What's that? What is a star jammer anyway? Well, <clears throat> I was thinking about that as I was reading this issue. So the ship is called the Star Jammer, okay. which is fine, right? So you get a Millennium Falcon, you get a Star Jammer. It's all good. The group are called the Star Jammers, which would kind of be like calling the crew of the Millennium Falcon the Millennium Falcons. It sounds like a <laughs> basketball team. Welcome to the court, the Millennium Falcons. The Millennium Falcons are playing the Aluminum Mallards. So uh, that what, so what is a Star Jammer? Star Jammer is a ship, and Star Jammers are people that occupy the ship. I guess that makes sense. They, they don't. There's no jamming of the stars. <laughs> jamming. What does it mean to jam the stars? Oh my God! In the seventies. <laughs> that's that's all that people wanted to do they're like you know what in the year 2000 we're going to be jamming across the universe in our star jammers uh there's also uh in this we learn star skimmers and some other star something or other craft there's like a star cat or something like that or the star sl- slammer <laughs> <laughs> So, I don't know. When you go into space and you name something the Star Jammer, because it's, it's your ship that jams the stars, I guess, isn't that equivalent of, like, uh, coming onto the planet and being, like, land driver as for cars? So, it's like some sort of... Uh, I guess a land speeder. Exploration and, and populate sort of thing? I don't know. <laughs> I want to see... These star jammers in the MCU. Oh my gosh! Before the X Men. <laughs> uh, yeah, they could be kind of folded out of like a scroll war. Be like, oh, and then there's these dirty star jammers, and they show up, and they're like, hey, we're the star jammers. It, it'll happen in Guardians of the Galaxy three. They'll stop on some weird planet, and it'll just be like these space pirates just hanging out in a bar. They could totally I don't, do I don't, that. I, I don't want them to appear in as a cameo or in another oh. movie. I want them, in, it's a la Guardians of the Galaxy, I want them to have their own movie. Oh, my God. Nobody knows what the heck it is, and it's to be good. That would be an interesting way to kick off uh, X, the X-Men crossover into the MCU, is to be like, you want the X-Men? Well, you got to wait, because first we're doing Starjammers. And everybody's like, what, the what now? And it, and it turns out to be a really funny, good movie, just like Guardians of the Galaxy, and everybody's on board. And there's like all these uh, hints about the X-Men universe peppered throughout that nobody saw coming. Yeah, you got Corsair's like, oh, I got this son. His name is Scott. <laughs> I think he's- Three sons. Three sons. <laughs> I pushed him out of an airplane, but I'm sure they're okay. <laughs> yeah. It could be like a Corsair origin story. Oh, my gosh. So you could have cameos with Scott and Alex and- Possibly Vulcan. Oh my gosh! Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You could do that. That'd be that'd be fun. Uh, but I would like to. I want to see the scene where you know they meet Raza and Chode and Hepzibah get together as a gang. Yeah, I mean it's just another origin movie. So it'd be. I mean, you just lift Guardians of the Galaxy and uh, dump it on Star Jammers. Boom, done. I'm gonna rewatch Guardians of the Galaxy and pretend that Star Lord is Corsair. 
Although we'll have to, well, I have to modify his backstory a little bit. Yeah, uh, he would like squarer, older music. Yeah, yeah. But but mm. he, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what it would have to be. Squarer, older music. Maybe some some of the cool country tunes that exist. Maybe. Yeah. Like there, there's this weird batch of like 60s and 70s country tunes that are that are not what you would think of as traditional country. They're kind of out there. And they're, they're, I think, universally thought of more as pop songs. So okay. people could get behind it. I think Corsair is a big Kenny Rogers fan, for sure. Well, that's the same era as Guardians of the Galaxy. That's the 70s. Yeah. Well, I mean, doesn't doesn't Kenny Rogers transcend all generations? Based on, yeah. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, <laughs> he's, he's, yeah, he's he had a weird uh, disco esque period there with the that that theme song from uh, the Big Lebowski. Yeah. See. Well, anyways, let's let's uh, let's read what the movie could actually be uh, if they adapted X Men Spotlight on Starjammers. Oh, and that's oh, God, what they this could, wouldn't be the movie. That's what they could <laughs> call it instead of X Men Origins Starjammers. It would be X Men Spotlight Starjammers. And people would go see it because they – no, then that would be a disaster because then they would have had the X-Men name on it and people would be like, there's no X-Men in this movie. <laughs> well, they're going to do it re- in reverse Yeah. rather yeah. than X-Men movies and then X-Men Origins movies. Oh, you could have oh, – it would be cool as you mix it up a little bit and one of the team members is Rachel Summers who is the Phoenix, but she's like time displaced. Well, sure. It could be be kind of neat just do it all crazy and make have nothing make sense yeah just just a bunch of like uh fan service for like us <laughs> you, can, you can just mix and match stuff that's what they do in the mcu pretty much anyway this 48 page mother is a uh it was four dollars and fifty cents came out april 3rd of 1990 it's falcon quest part two uh it's written by terry cavanaugh penciled by dave cockrum inked by jeff albrecht Colored by John Wilcox, lettered by Augustin Moss, um, logo designed, really? <laughs> Jeff Albrecht. Uh, and Mark Grunwald is the editor, and Tom DeFalco is the editor-in-chief. Kelly Corvis is the assistant editor. Last issue on a routine raid on one of the Shi'ar Empire freighters, the Star Jammers discovered a map to a legendary power of Falcon. But... Before they could use the map, the captain of the freighter sent it to pieces to four separate planets and relayed a warning to the Shi'ar throne world. The Star Jammers split into individual groups and with great difficulty recovered the map. However, before they could get at this information, the Usurper Mestrix Deathbird appeared on their ship and kidnapped her sister Lilandra. Now the Star Jammers must decide whether to rescue the rightful Magistrix or pursue their Falcon quest. The one chance they may have to retake the Shi'ar Empire. Wow. I think we just cut the episode there. (laughs) That's part one. Oh. This doesn't talk about part two. That's what we should have done for part one. Yeah. (laughs) Just just release that, that blurb, and be done with it. Um, Adam, I think I made my feelings on this story clear last issue. You didn't like it. Uh Uh-uh. (laughs) <laughs> so this was this was sort of a slog to go through these 48 pages of the Falcon quest. But I thought this one went a lot quicker than the first one um, because there were less words and... More cameos. Was, 
And there's definitely some Excalibur in there that picked it up and, the middle. And X-Factor. which And X-Factor. Which uh, I have questions about. And Ship. And Ship. Specifically Ship. Ship has a very big role in this. Yeah. Spoilers. Yeah. Well, we could just jump to the end and be over with it. <laughs> All uh, right. There's a whole bunch of shenanigans that, this, like, the, right from the beginning, you're like, this doesn't, this is not well written. And <laughs> I don't remember what happened at the la- end of the last issue. Were they all captured or something? Uh, no, they weren't. They were just like, we're the Star Jammers and we're going to do stuff. And uh, Lelandra got kidnapped. Oh, yeah. Cree uh, mm-hmm. got shoved out at a, a uh, what, uh, into space. Mm-hmm. So presumably dead. Yep. Um, which I had to go back and look because I keep referring to his family as mourning. And I was like, why? I don't remember that. <laughs> but the very beginning of this is very confusing. Um, and I had to reread it a few times just to figure out what was going on. And what actually is going on is that the star jammers have abandoned the star jammer for some reason. Um, and there's something, I, there's a panel where it's like half, cloaked maybe i'm not sure what's going on there anyway adam uh, if if you and i drove around in a um let's say a uh honda odyssey minivan mm -hmm. would we be the honda odysseys or the minivans Ooh, is that what we would be i don't know (laughs) we just like jump out and everybody be like oh my god the minivans are here and we'd be like stand back minivans have got this under control I can actually see that. I mean, if it's like, if we see uh, minivans, it would have to be like every car we ever got was a minivan and we're always hanging out in the minivans. People would be like, oh, there's the minivans. Oh, well, that's why but, I went specifically like a Honda, a Honda Odyssey. Yeah. Like you wouldn't get a new one. Like you would just keep fixing it and putting duct tape on it and stuff like okay, the Star okay. Jammer, right? It's just, it's, it's the, uh, the iconic vehicle that they use and ours would be the Honda Odyssey. Odysseys. That's hard to say though. Mm. The uh, Toyota Sienna, so it would be the Siennas. Sienna boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, anyways, carry on. Yes, uh, part of the ship was uh, uh, cloaked, which also confused me because it's like the front half is cloaked, but the back half is open. And I was like, oh, is this like some special ability it has now to be more like it's it's in warship mode because the front is cloaked? So I get the impression that you're supposed to know what's going on, but no I idea. still couldn't figure out. The only thing I could figure out is that the star jammer is uh, empty because they're on the star skimmer that we mentioned before. Lundra escapes into a garbage chute a la Star Wars with Sikorsky, previously thought to be a traitor. Yeah, there's a there's a real quick like Deathbirds got Lilandra at gunpoint and then probably the star jammer's distraction caused Lelander to be able to get the drop on Deathbird and she escapes into said garbage chute. And that's when we see the the cloaked star jammer, which is empty. Oh my goodness. So oh, there scuttlebugs and star skimmers. So yeah, that that is one of uh, so the little ones are the scuttlebugs and the <laughs> one that appears on the side and starts shooting at them is the star skimmer. The what now? I, the, the star jammer itself is yellow, so this white thing is the Star skimmer. The what now? The star what? Star skimmer. I'm sorry. What? There's no song for a star skimmer. Well, there's got to be. The star jammers. <laughs> wait. So if the star jammers leave the star jammer and go to the star skimmer, do they become star and skimmers? Star skimmers. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And and any and uh, Chode and Raza who are in the scuttlebugs are now scuttlebugs. Oh. 
Hepzibah is, I think, also in a scuttlebug. Yeah, she is. So you definitely get, I get a sense anyway, so they're trying to come up with a, a universe here of like all of these cool, uh, iconic uh, trademarked vehicles, the Star Jammer, and then we can escape in the Star Skimmer, and whenever we need to, we can deploy the scuttlebugs. All cool names, eh. but... The design of the comic is such that I couldn't tell you a thing about any of these vehicles. I have no idea what the Star Skimmer looks like. I think I literally just realized that the Star Skimmer is the one that appears on the side of the ship, and and that was the one that was half cloaked. Oh. So this whole beginning sequence is the Star Jammers leaving the Star Jammer, boarding the Star Skimmer. The Star Jammer is the big yellow ship that's on the first page. Uh Oh. So the Star Skimmer is the thing that cloaks. Because it looks like it's kind of taking off out of a shuttle bay. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't Which, get that. Presumably the, first time the Star around. Jammer. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I, I'm literally just getting that now. <laughs> and the Star, the Scuttlebugs kind of just look like airplanes. They're like little ships that are inside of the shuttle, apparently. Well, which is neat, right? I mean, think about all the toys we could come up with. Oh, here. yeah. I mean, heck yeah. And great names for toys, too. Like, I would totally like want a Star Skimmer and, and a, a couple Scuttlebugs. Scuttle yeah. But but the branding is off a little bit in the design because you don't actually get to see any of these very well. Do you think that the Scuttlebug is packaged with a, a character, or do you think the characters are sold separately for the Scuttlebug? Uh, well, these are, this is like a vehicle line. So you buy the Star Jammer, and you probably get you get Corsair. Probably. You get Corsair, maybe maybe Chode. He's a popular. Okay. Um, you buy you buy a Scuttlebug, you get. Uh, Raza, maybe, uh, Hepzibah. I feel like you need to have like, well, you could actually, you could go, you could go a couple of tiers, right? You could have Hepzibah with Scuttlebug attire and the Scuttlebug. And then you could actually have Raza, Scuttlebug, or Raza, Hepzibah, and Chode in their Scuttlebug suits, which are not comic realistic because they're just wearing their normal outfits. But for our toy line, we're going to put them in like jumpsuits of some kind. And that That way we can have action figures of their actual like outfits. So everybody gets a uh, vehicle specific outfit and then a single toy outfit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good because we don't have enough vehicles to cover for everybody. Well, then you got the star skimmer, which you have to deal with at some point. Yeah, the star skimmer, I guess, is well, Lalandra does a lot of driving, so let's put Lalandra. She comes with the Star Skimmer. It's a, it's like a special edition. It's the only way to get yeah. Lalandra is to get the Star Skimmer. Right, and Ooh. you have to mail away for binary. Oh my gosh! Of course, of course you do. You got to collect your UPCs. Yeah, and, like seven of those yeah. bad boys, and then like a dollar fifty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we're getting somewhere with this. <laughs> I think I think we're onto the scheme. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, just nobody cared. Where where does tweed come from or scree or whatever his name is how do you get him oh he's got to come with chode ah good point good point what about sikorsky he comes with a ship yeah sikorsky and waldo come with the star jammer and then you've got just random shiar i guess uh, sikorsky could be on the star skimmer Mm. i feel like sikorsky would come with the star jammer but Maybe I, I think so too, but you got to split it up a little bit. And yeah. Sikorsky in this has a little bit of a relationship with Lalandra. So oh, if, sure. if we're saying the Star Skimmer comes with Lalandra, we can also say it comes with Sikorsky. And we want people to buy them all. Oh, of course. Of course. So. Cool, cool. Well, there, there you go. So the, the scuttlebugs are scuttled and flying around. A space battle ensues. I don't really even know what happens outside of the ships. Uh, lots of shooting. Um Lalandra makes her way with the reestablished friend of 
the the teams the Korski back up to the back up to the uh the the main area of the the bad guy ship the Shi'ar ship. Do you recall why they thought Sikorsky was a traitor? Because I don't. It is revealed oh. that Sikorsky was manipulated by a computer virus or something, and once um, it was in the the last issue that they suspected him of being. I don't know why. He did something that they were like a traitor must have done it, and it must have been Sikorsky. Maybe he revealed their location to the the Shi'ar or something. Was he the guy that messed up the professor? Mm, that's pretty dark. <laughs> I, I feel like Lelandra wouldn't cover like recover from that and be like, well, we can be friends now, even though you killed my boyfriend. That's a good point. Okay. But who knows? This doesn't make all that much sense to begin with. So, oh, we got to have the villain, the Shi'ar ship to come with Deathbird. Yeah, I don't know that there's like a definitive Shi'ar vehicle. I feel like you run into the same problem that you run into with like the, um, oh, trying to think of like a poorly defined bad guy in, a, in an action figure run. Um, I don't know. Robotech, maybe? Uh, yeah, whole line is. Well, no, Robotech is hugely popular. What are you talking about? Uh, no, I don't know. I think Robo- Robotech is like a spin-off. It was a it was Japanese first, right? Yeah, uh, inter di- di- super dimensional fortress Macross, something like that. Macross Gundam, all that stuff is hugely popular. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's I feel like and and I'm not no, I'm drawing some blanks here. Maybe like the Secret Wars toy line. I feel like <laughs> there was a lot of investment on the heroes side to have everybody have like motorcycles and all these cool vehicles. And then on the bad guy side, there was like Dr. Doom and like nothing else. Or you have Voltron. Don't even have a bad guy side. Oh, sure. You're just stuck with the lions or the cars. Uh, or, I mean, if you think about it, like even in the GI Joe line, there, there weren't too many bad guys, right? You had like, like 12 named bad guys and then a bunch of foot soldiers. Yeah. You basically were supposed to buy like one of those for each of the Joes that you had. Bats. I always liked the bats. Oh, those were, those were, those were cool. Battle Android troopers. Yeah. And they had a whole bunch of different accoutrements. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I feel like there's a kind of a, a lack of bad guys although you could lump in the imperial guard which we'll meet in in a little bit but i don't think there's like a definitive bad guy ship in this uh universe here there isn't but i think i think you're definitely onto something with having the imperial guard be the bad guys because mm-hmm. like you have you have your death bird as as the obvious like cobra commander mm-hmm. and then you have uh guardian is that his name yeah oh, yeah 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 with the mohawk he's like i don't know serpentor or something <laughs> Um, and all of these, all of these different creations could have their own individual toys. I feel like it, with the toy line, we're going to have to embellish a little bit and create like, like Lilandra's land s- skimmer. Yeah. Which you never saw in, in like a comic or a show, but because there's a lack of them, we, we just had to come up with ridiculous things for them. Since there's so many guardian, uh, guardians, what are, what are they called? They're the Imperial Guard. Since there's so many Imperial Guards, there there would have to be like an Imperial Guard transport unit. Oh, of course, yeah. To transport all of your dudes. I think in the original Star Wars line, wasn't there an Imperial troop transport that never showed up on a movie, but yet they made one for, for Kenner? 
I believe you were correct. I feel like that's a thing. So Lalandra made her way to the bridge and almost kills Deathbird with a knife, but then the Imperial Guard shows up, uh, they teleport in, and uh, Corsair has to think fast and teleports Lalandra to the back to the star skimmer. Um, right before she's about to give the death blow. Yeah, and she goes, no! Raza is, he's like, Zenith! It is Zenith, so he knows one of these dudes. Yeah, the one without a face. Yeah. Well, no, they all don't have faces. There's, there's like three that don't have faces. The purple and, and white guy is Zenith. There's like the green guy who has a dude on his back. We've seen him before. He oh, was in that, that X-Men issue where we first saw the Imperial Guard. The ones I recognize are him and his little guy on his back and the lady with the cloak and then Quasar because it's Quasar. Yeah. And and, I recognized the name of the whip lady, but I didn't recognize her. And it should be known that the Imperial Guard isn't necessarily bad. They just serve, uh, regardless of how they feel, whoever's currently in power. Whoever is the current magistrix. Which seems like a cop-out. Like, well, we're not the bad guys. Even though we don't like Deathbird, we have to serve her. We have no choice. Well, I mean, you know, it's it's sort of a – not to get too political here, but I can – that that kind of aligns with – Fair. They're like the Shi'ar army, I suppose. Yeah. They they serve whoever's in charge, rather, you know. But – In this case, they, they are having to be serving Hitler, but <laughs> they don't have to like it. Deathbird didn't win an election. She just she, – she was a usurper. That's true. So, um, all sorts of political – challenges and issues here yeah but i think the real issue is how binary is drawn in this full page spread i don't like it it's a little weird um it's very uh it's very much like an action figure actually speaking of action figures because her hips kind of look like they detach <laughs> yes and and her her waist sort of looks like it was molded into one piece a la yeah. gi joe little briefs yeah yeah and then it's 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 weird. It's, it's very bulbous to you. I think it's got an eye for the toy design. I think yeah, they're trying okay. to say, hey, you know, we don't need to design this for you. We'll just send you this page. Here it is. Here Look, go. Quasar, he's pretty cool. He's big. He's black and white. He's got the cosmos yeah. in his body somehow. And then you got Whip Girl. She's got she's got accessories. Kids love accessories. They love losing them. <laughs> does she is she have like the the actual hair on her legs or something that is like is it plastic fake hair or is it actual like hair attached to her oh in the toy it's just painted on okay so it's not like a grizzler where you actually get a hairy no 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 and that's kind of the special thing about her no that was that was just grizz that was just a wasn't that just a beast remold with hair on it I think it was. Um, I know it was, Man. it was, it was very different looking underneath. It was, it was more like a Moss Man remold. Oh, remember Moss Man? I thought Ma Moss Man was just beast with like green fuzz on him. Beast is a very, or Beast Man is a very specific mold. I mean, he's got the big back and the weird shaped body. So, so I'm going to go, I'm going to say no. No, Google Moss Man. All right. I'm Googling. Moss Man is exactly Beast Man. Really? Well, what is uh, the other guy that we're talking about then? Uh, uh, Grizzlor? 
I think yeah, Grizzler. Grizzler's bigger. You're right. I feel like Grizzlor had like a like a big vest or something. He's kind of like Leech from the Evil Horde, but with like different heads and arms. Okay, Grizzlor's got like a ton of hair on him, so he could be he could be any mold, just with a with a big hair jacket on. Yeah, I think I think he is just some random mold. Yeah, but he's got a cool little face. Yeah. It's totally it's totally ridiculous. <laughs> uh, Beast Man, let's take a look at Beast Man. So Beastman's got the big mane. Um, so I guess, I mean, if you strip off all of the accoutrements of Beastman, then then maybe your Mossman is very... They're all kind of similar, though. I, I saw it on one of those toy shows on Netflix. Yeah, okay. So if you take off Beastman's mane and his armor, then yeah, okay, I gotcha. He's yeah. Mossman. Yep. I can buy it. Yep. Yes, sir. That was the the beauty and joy of He-Man. Mix and match parts. There's a pretty fascinating take stuff from other lines. Yeah, uh, there's a you I, you probably hipped me to it. There was a, a fascinating Mar- Masters of the Universe documentary, kind of the rise and fall of Masters of the Universe. Yeah, there's there's uh, I think it's on Netflix and Amazon Prime. They talk about the making of Castle Grayskull and like nobody could get it right because they're like, no, it's it's too um, too symmetrical. You got to like make it crooked. And then when they were painting it, they're like, no, it, it needs to look like it's all swampy. And the, and the guy's like, wow, we don't know how to do that. And so the guy just takes a can of spray paint and just like psh, psh, do that on all of them. <laughs> That's how you get kind of that uh, neat unique looking design. Yeah, unique design. And then it's not just green. It's got like green and black. Uh, and I guess by that sort of description, every Castle Grayskull is potentially unique. Yeah, which I is think that's what they said. Kind of neat. Uh, if I recall correctly, but, you know, I I saw that a while ago. And that's, yeah. that's one of those that I'll probably rewatch because it, it was well done. It's fascinating. And then they, they go through the whole, like, yeah, the little mini comic that came with it completely doesn't match the show. <laughs> it's a yeah. completely different uh, story and... Series and they hired things. they hired like current comic artists to do those, which yeah, is kind yeah. of yeah, yeah. those uh, uh, that and the toys that made us. Or I, I've already rewatched most of the toys that made us. I just enjoy those kind of histories. Heck yeah, tickles my nostalgia bone. <laughs> oh my, <laughs> gross. <laughs> uh, anyways, so binary's blasting through the floor. Which... Uh, yeah, I mean. She blasts through the floor and then returns to the ship on the next page. So it's not that huge a deal, unfortunately. That's that's how a lot of this works. You get one panel of awesomeness, and then it's like it didn't really amount to anything. Yeah, Lilandra's mad. She's like, why did you beam me back here? And then uh, uh, Binary shows up. She's like, did I do good, Captain Corsair, sir? And I'm not even sure what she was doing, What what the point of whatever it was she de- uh, did. Distraction. Okay. That's my best guess. Perfect timing, binary, across the board, despite your attitude. He thinks to himself, because something's going on there for some reason. Because she feels like she's better than the Star Jammers, and she's like, why am I hanging around with these no-good pirates? I think she says that at some point. Like, I should just... She does. I should just leave. I'm not making that up. I stole that from the comic. (laughs) Which, once again, sort of sets up uh, a little bit of... um, uh, confrontation between the Star Jammers and Binary. So if this were to go on to be its own series, you could kind of be dealing with that dynamic. 
for a while. I feel like there are a lot of seeds planted um, enough so that this could keep going, but yeah, uh, well, it ends on a cliffhanger. Spoilers, but uh, <laughs> yes, it does. It's uh, yeah, it was not to be. I don't nope. think. Um, the Shi'ar spaceship uh, blows up because of the damage that Binary did to it. So I guess that's what Binary did. Is she just punched a hole through it? Um, Deathbird gets all of the guardsmen to her side and is able to because she has a uh, personal teleporter. She's able to beam them over to her, I guess, to the star jammer. I like to think it's an iPhone. A personal teleporter? Yeah, the little thing she's holding in her hand. She's got an app for that? Yeah. Um, And the guardsmen are upset that all of the other uh, troopers on board their ship are dead now. She's like, whatever. I don't care. I'm a bad guy. She teleports away, and then you get this awesome picture of Corsair. And he says... The space race is on, and we're losing badly. <laughs> Where's that? Oh, I'm probably way ahead of you. <laughs> That's where uh, Deathbird teleports off the ship. Does she teleport multiple times? Well, she's on the Star Jammer now. Okay. Where I am on page 11. What page are you on? I don't know, 15 or 16. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll go back. Because she does the same thing twice. Oh, there's the space race. Okay. Yeah, so to get from uh, what I was talking about to what Jeremy's talking about... Nothing really happens, Adam. Well, the <laughs> uh, the Starjammers sneak aboard the Starjammer on the Star Skimmer, and they fight some of the guardsmen, and then uh, that's, yeah, uh, that's when <laughs> Deathbird says, hey, oh, meanwhile, uh, Binary kills Zenith outside. So that's kind of sad for Raza. Oh, yeah. Uh, have we revealed this? At, no, th- there's a reveal coming up about the relationship between Raza and Zenith. So I feel like this is also sort of that nugget of like, oh, my God, you killed Zenith. But Zenith probably comes back in like issue two of the regular series looking for revenge or something. Yeah. Cause you don't you don't introduce a character like this and make a big deal out of it and then right. just kill him. Zenith says, I can access the potential power of your top limit as he's talking to binary. And then he says, eh, nothing's happening. You have no power limit to your power, which is really okay. So being a binary is like a Phoenix level entity. Then I recall from the, uh, Marvel, uh, uh role-playing game. Okay. Her stats were, were pretty high. They weren't like Phoenix high, but she had, some some high stats for sure. Okay. Which I don't know how you, I mean, when this book here came out years after that um, RPG was released. So I don't know how they knew what her stats were. I'm sure there was, they figure all this stuff out anytime there's a, a character. Uh, you're probably right. It's all gleaned from the, uh, or, or transcribed from the official guide to the Marvel comic or Marvel universe. Right. Yeah. Which is a thing that still exists in one form or another. Um, so Corsair attempts to capture uh, Deathbird, but he gets knocked around by Quasar. Kuri shows back up, and it turns out that Kuri was saved by the Starjammer itself, sent out a sh- shuttle pod to save him. We knew he wasn't dead. Actually, I didn't even realize he died. I was, con- I was like, wait, what? Um, and then that's when 
Okay, that's the iPhone that you were talking about. Yep. Deathbird whips out her uh, personal teleporter slash iPhone, beams away. She knows where the Falcon is, and that's when uh, you get the space raises on. And we're losing badly. It's not a good drawing of Corsair. There are almost no good drawings of Corsair in this comic book. <laughs> the drawing prior and the page prior, it makes it look like his face is just completely flat. I wonder why Dave Cockham likes this guy so much because he does not draw him very well. And and nor should he. I mean, it's a terrible design for a character. He's got a stupid mustache and stupid <laughs> eyebrows and stupid headband and stupid hair. I think he was awesome when he when he was introduced back in the late 70s early 80s. He's basically like uh what is that that actor man that Tony Stark is somewhat based on in the 80s? Oh, I don't know. Uh, uh Magnum PI. He's uh, like Tom Magnum, Selleck? Yeah, he's like Tom Selleck in space. Uh or um who's the guy that drives the car? That would be me. <laughs> no, the guy that drives the Trans Am, Smokey and the Bandit. Bandit. Oh, uh, isn't that also Tom Selleck? No, <laughs> no, no. It's uh, Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds. Heck yeah. This is Burt Reynolds in space. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we get another full page spread of Binary as she's recharging the ship. And there's some sort of uh, shenanigans going on where the ship is stealing some of her energy that goes on throughout this issue. And she keeps thinking about it. And is like, I think the ship really lowered my powers. Gee. And that, that's, that's what that storyline is. Yeah, something about it was stealing power from her, like taking more than she was. Uh, instead of waiting for me to offer it, it was just taking it. So yeah. definitely in the comic book, we're going to learn, well, if one were to occur, that the Star Jammer is alive. Well, they already know that the Star Jammer is alive. They say that like 8,000 times in this issue. And has nefarious plans. Uh, just likes power. I mean, I, I think this is more about Carol Danvers slowly losing her binary powers, which would be the, the you're following the arc about how Star, Carol Danvers doesn't want to be a part of the Star Jammers anymore. But then you also have her losing her powers, and probably in the end she realizes, I need to be with the Star Jammers. And why would she need to be with the Star Jammers? Because she lost, cause she lost her, some of her power. No, but what would she be doing with the Star Jammers? Star jamming? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but how would she be Star Jamming? S-T-A-R, Jammers, Jammers, S-T-A-R, no. Jammers, Jammers, J-A-M-M. Star Jammers. <laughs> Anyways. C-O-R-S, uh, Corsair, Corsair. I feel like they're consciously uh, depowering her so that if they were to go to an ongoing series, they don't have basically this godlike power set with them. And that could be right. part of the arc of like, we got to find Binary's powers. Yeah. Sure. They're in the Star Jammer. <laughs> That's why she has to hang out with the Star Jammers because if she leaves – she loses her powers, but if she hangs out with them, she gets them back. I'd like to skip down to the panel where Corsair gets an idea. Yeah, another terrible drawing, but less terrible than the previous one. That's it, Lil. I've got a brilliant idea, he says, and you can almost see him, like, snapping his fingers, pointing at Lilandra, and he's just got this gigantic, wide-eyed, toothy grin. He looks deranged. It's, it's very comical, and I think... 
part of the problem with the version, maybe like, I, I wonder if the original comic itself, uh, because it's on like probably crappy paper or maybe or this was 450. So maybe this was on the nice paper. I bet you this was a nice paper. This feels like Dave Cockrum's art is better served by a better inker and uh, lesser paper. No inker is fixing the smile. Because I don't think, I don't remember all of the faces, like the faces throughout this are not great. They're consistently not great. And I feel like that's either because he needs a better inker or to ink his own work or because the the quality of the paper and the way that they're using colors is different and it just makes it look less than previous installments of Dave Cockrum. I think he's just at his drafting table being like, oh my God, two 48-page comic books? What did I get myself into? I'm in over my head. He could be. He could be burning out. I mean, I'm assuming this is all. This was all his idea. I love the Star Jammers. I created them. They're my babies. <laughs> my baby Star Jammers. Anyways. Uh, baby Star Jammers. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's a whole other series. Like, once Star Jammers <laughs> takes off, we can make baby Star Jammers. Heck, yeah. <laughs> and it can be just like Muppet Babies, where they're at the daycare. Baby Star Jammers. Baby Star Jammers. Baby Star Jammers. Woo! And they're they're just hanging out with uh with the babysitter and just pretending to be star jammers, but it's it's baby Chode and baby Raza, baby Hepzibah. One of these days we're gonna go out into space. <laughs> and it's gonna be just like this. And then they use their imagination and they're like, Pew, 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 Deathbird, we got you. <laughs> Deathbird is one of the kids, but she's the one of the angry ones. <laughs> oh man. And then it turns into this like, we don't like Deathbird. She can't hang out with us. <laughs> Well, we never really established that in the show, just that she's she's obviously different, and we mm. know we know as the as the think, audience. I think that goes too far. I think you have to make Deathbird like some uh, stuffed animal, but then we find out in like the last episode of the final season that it was a sentient stuffed animal. <laughs> it's too deep, man. Car, car, cartoons don't ever end, so it's well, like there, there, there's no like arcs; they just repeat themselves over and over again. All right. Uh, and then Binary could be that character that comes over every now and again. So she's not in every episode, but it's always like, oh, man, it's an episode with Binary. This is going to be good. She's one of the babysitters. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever see the uh, the 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 real Ghostbusters? Now, it wasn't the first episode, but it was like the episode that takes place directly after the Ghostbusters movie. Probably. Where they're wearing the the beige outfits that they're wearing in the Ghostbusters movie, and they trade them in for color outfits that they have in the cartoon series. I don't recall that specifically, but I, I don't I don't not believe you. I always thought that was kind of cool how they 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 had a scene where they're walking away from like the the Gozer building, and they're like the actual Ghostbusters. It was just neat that they tied it together that closely, and then they mail order. It's like we need. We need color-coded costumes instead of this, these boring beige costumes. I, it's been so long since I've seen that, and I think they're all on Netflix, so I'd like to go watch them again. Um, my recollection is the first episode was like a 20-minute version of the movie. I mean, there was really? definitely no Sigourney Weaver, and I don't think there was any, like, Gozer, but, you know, Marshmallow Man. There is an episode where they go watch the movie and they don't like it. Really? Yeah. 
Well, that show went on and on and on, if I recall. There was like Slimer and the, and the real Ghostbusters. and Yeah. By that time, I think I was too old and too cool to watch it. But definitely the first few seasons I watched over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And that internal Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And then there was the uh, the Ghostbusters show that had an ape. That was my favorite. I always kind of liked that show. I'm kidding. I hated that show. I, I, I know you were supposed to hate that show because it wasn't the real Ghostbusters. But I kind of like that it existed. I, I'm sure you know this, Adam, but that was based on like a Sid and Marty Croft live action thing. Was it Sid and Marty Croft? It wasn't Sid and Marty Croft, but it was. No, it was based on a like a comedy duo yeah. live action thing from like the 50s or something. Yeah, called Ghostbusters. They had it was it was live action. They had an ape. It was a they had an ape costume, uh, and yeah. So they had to spend a lot of money to license the Ghostbusters name from those people. Yeah. And then they, so, of course, cashed in on the cartoon, which why wouldn't you? <laughs> totally. And they had they had cool action figures. What? Are you talking about the real Ghostbusters or Ghostbusters? No, I'm talking about Ghostbusters. I had never recall seeing those action figures. I definitely didn't own them. Now I think I'm, I might be just making this up. They probably existed. Because I seem to recall the ape. Original Ghostbusters... Action figures. I'm sure they existed. There's no reason you make that show unless you're going to like try to milk it for all it's worth. That's true. Yeah. I mean, that's what cartoons of that ilk of that day were. It's hard to Google Ghostbusters cartoon because all you find is real Ghostbusters. Yeah. I don't think this is a, this is going to happen. You'd have to be like Ghostbusters, but not the real ones. <laughs> What if you just type up Ghostbusters action figures ape? Hey, that worked. <laughs> yeah, I think you need just Ghostbusters cartoon ape. 1985 Shaper Filmation Ghostbusters. And then let's do toy. Yep, there's definitely an ape. There's a whole series of them. You got all those characters. Oh, I'm watching. You got their ape. awesome logo, which features a ghost. Yeah. Without a line across of it, across it, across it. Doesn't say no ghost, but it says ghosts. Oh, and they had like a there's like a little ghost house. Oh, I remember. And the car, the car was actually pretty cool. Now that I'm <laughs> re-looking at these, it's like a jalopy that has wings and like wheels that turn into like a stilt car. Oh my gosh! And as I'm looking at it, you can fit three action figures in this car. Heck yeah, man! Oh, and there's like yeah, there's like this uh, caped metal-faced bad guy. I wonder if these are worth more because they're rarer or worth less because no one cares i bet you they're worth more i i would hope that you're right because they because of their rarity yeah well not necessarily so much the rare well partially the rarity but just sort of the the weird history uh, of them well it's got to be rarity plus people actually want them right in order for there to be any value oh well uh back to the star jammers uh, Corsair's idea is to turn off all the defenses and systems and shields and junk. Yes, which he does in some convoluted plot in order to discover that um, Deathbird has left behind a detonation device asteroid thing in the middle of space that's invisible that is uh, it's supposed to deter the Starjammer from figuring out which direction she goes, which is kind of dumb because... If she didn't leave that, they would just have no idea where she went. So, whatever. They're going to Earth. 
both Corsair and Binary are like, Earth? I know that planet. <laughs> I heard of that place. And then we get some downtime where we find out that Zenith was Raza's half-brother or something like that. Or maybe I'm, I might be getting ahead of myself. But either way, we learned that. Yeah, you are. Uh, Raza and Binary are... Raza used... Like in the last issue, Raza was kind of into Binary, but now that Binary is just bragging about how she killed his brother. She doesn't know it's his brother. Raza's not really into her anymore. We get kind of a uh, seduction scene between uh, Corsair and Hepsiva, which, I mean, man, I'm in... They're an item. She's a she's she's an, she's got an attractive face, but she's a skunk woman. <laughs> of course, I don't care. I know, and I'm, he's a man I'm, of the seventies. He's like, baby, don't wash. I guess, I guess, if you're not shallow, then you can you can get down with the skunk women. But uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm a little too shallow for that. Corsair made love to Jimi Hendrix playing in the background at Woodstock. I want to know how Corsair went from his earth wife to the skunk woman. Like, was it he moved how, on, how long a period was there? How like, long did it, was it like take? a month. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready for a skunk woman. <laughs> Corsair's like, I'm just looking for some tail. And then Hepzibah shows up. But up, up, but up, up. Oh boy! <laughs> Sorry, that was just that was terrible. I'm I actually am really ashamed of myself right now. <laughs> <laughs> I should probably go sit in the corner and think about what I just said. Uh, uh, there you showed go. is creepily outside of their uh, room. He was going to hang out with Hepzibah. He's like, I guess I can't do that. So uh, he goes to see what Sikorsky and Waldo are doing, and they're kind of infighting because Sikorsky was bad for a while. Then Lelandra shows up and says, "I need to be alone with Professor Xavier." And she cries because he's dead. And then she's going to release him from the time bubble that they've trapped him in to keep his body sort of preserved from, I guess, decaying. He wants yeah. to do this. Uh, she wants to do this to, just to touch him or to release him from like the hellish prison that must be this time bubble. I believe release him the latter. But she, but, she just doesn't doesn't want his body. He's dead. She's got to move on. Okay. There's no value to this. I mean, this is the space. They do crazy things all the time. I don't know what she's. Yeah, thinking. you would think. I mean, it's the Marvel universe. Is how many times have Storm come back to life? I mean, if you can put all they need to do, like if they can put the professor in a time bubble, all they need to do is find one of those brood sharks and stick him in the the there. Because didn't they already put the professor in a different body? Yeah, he can walk now. So they could just do that again. Just keep doing that. Get another body. They already have some sort of. Well, in the last episode, they had some sort of weird telekinetic version of the professor, where he was just a uh, an astral plane being. Let's get that person to go into the new body. Uh, it's At any rate, it's different this time, Adam. A mystery person slams the thing before the decay begins, and it's obviously uh, Corsair. Is it? Yeah, I recognize that horrible, stupid glove anywhere. <laughs> okay. Chode, nobody wants to hang out with Chode. So he's like, let me go see what's going on with my pal Raza. And that's where we find out that Zenith was Raza's brother. And he's sad because the privilege of slaying him was his. Which is kind of interesting. Yeah. So you're right. It was uh, Corsair who slammed the top of the professor. He's like, you got to keep that thing stuck. 
and then they have like this little fight, the the argument, and then it just uh, turns into them sort of hugging, friendly hugging, like, oh my god, I'm just so sad and I miss him, which is all understandable, completely uh, um, innocent, and Hepzibah calls in on the compu screen, and she's like, I'm sorry for interrupting, very sorry. I don't think it is innocent, though, because the no? look on uh, Corsair's face is uh, pretty creepy. Um, also, I just think that's how he's drawn. I don't think they're supposed to convey a, oh, although you're right, they're, they're hugging and... There's there's a thing uh, later on okay. that uh, Ode says something like, oh, Corsair isn't protecting Hebsville like he normally does or something like that. I thought that that was just like forced 90s, like, oh, create a little bit of romantic drama. Maybe. It's a little bit of forced 70s sexism, but... You know. Well, sure. I'll give you that. We'll get we'll get a ton of that coming up later. It is kind of uh, weird that moments... I mean, presumably Hepsiba and Corsair just got done making love. And now Corsair's right. hanging out with Lilandra. And you got to wonder, like, has he showered? Or did he just go, like, straight from his lover to Lilandra? Because that's weird. Yeah. I mean, or maybe he just... Maybe maybe he was rejected by Hepsiba and Or vice he's versa. It's like, oh, well, I got... I can, I got Lalandra. She's got a recently dead guy. <laughs> if you're going to keep up the sexist motif, it would have been Hepzibah throwing herself at Corsair and Corsair being like, I need to get some air. Well, this is, the sexist stuff doesn't really actually start until Excalibur shows up and we get, I can't hit a girl, Captain Britain. <laughs> which then is, we start getting, we start getting it left and right. Which he said before, but. Yeah. Which I'm starting to think is just a character trait of Captain Britain and not, it's supposed to be, a quirky sort of throwback view. Right. And that's supposed to be the, the current view of like the actual comic writers. I can buy that. So the star jammer flies into a, uh, swarm or brood, if you will, of, uh, space eels. The idea here is that they're taking the fastest, most dangerous path to catch up to, uh, Deathbird, which they do. Is this the Kessel Run? Yeah, this is essentially the Kessel Run. <laughs> Does Corsair ever say we're going to make it there in nine parsecs? Well, they're, they're, it's, it's the Kessel Run without spice. Oh. Like they're not actually running anything. Gotcha. So it's, it's just the Kessel. <laughs> okay. The Kessel Path? Kessel Drive. Yeah. Um. They discover that outside of Earth is a whole Shi'ar um, armada, and they cloak and kind of fly through it very slowly. Hey, now, real quick, wasn't there a ship called, like, the Space Bug or Star Bug or something? Mm, I don't know. I thought either Shi'ar or the Star Jammers had, like, little... Shuttles that they called space bugs that looked like page uh, 29. I don't know. Okay. Like, I, I really have no idea. Uh, but I also, like, you know, it could be. I feel like one of these landed in in Westchester by the mansion, but... You, you have good memory sometimes. Sometimes. So I'm, I'm willing to buy it. One of these spaceships has like a mosquito uh needle on the front of it. Yeah. 
Which does, is a couple funny. of them actually. Which is weird. It's in order to uh, suck the blood out of other spaceships. Mm, sure. As we've learned, Starjammer is alive. Uh, so the Starjammer cloaks and goes straight through the Armada very slowly and gets down to Earth and discovers that... Um, wait, wait a minute. For, you, you, you missed a very important uh, scene in which, I? yes, in which the Starjammer locked on to... Oh, sorry, the enemy Flazers locked onto the Starjammer. They're not mm. phasers. They're not lasers. They're flasers. You're right. That's cool. I <laughs> like it. I wonder, like, why do they feel the need to do that? They just couldn't decide. Do we call them phasers or do we call them lasers? Let's call them flasers. And then, and then you got to be like, well, what is a flaser? It's a phaser laser. <laughs> why not just call it a phaser laser? Because they didn't have enough. Look at this word bubble. There's not enough <laughs> not room. Enough room. <laughs> phaser lasers is way cooler than flasers. <laughs> it actually is pretty. Rolls off the tongue. Phaser laser. Phaser laser. Phaser locked. laser. <laughs> yeah, you're right. They uh, crash on Earth. Well, they don't crash. They, they land just, in they Earth. They just fly. Well, but Deathbird's the... already there, and she's got the Falcon, and it turns out that the Falcon thing is actually the Phoenix. Whoa. Rachel Summers. With pink hair at first, for some reason. I think it's just red hair, but it's colored odd. That's when Excalibur with Shadowcat shows up, which is immediately where I'm like, hey, this can't take place now in the run that we're reading. But, Why not? Well, because uh, Kitty is, or sh- she's not with the uh, Excalibur. She's either in college in our dimension or in college at a different dimension. But either way, she's not with Excalibur. You're right. So this either has to take place before the cross time continuum, whatever it was. Cross time caper, or it has to take place after all of this stuff when she's back with the team. And Widget nope. is here, so that that this is has to take place after cross time caper, and after anything we've read because we Widget didn't join the team until some mysterious issue during the cross time caper. So there's only one problem with that theory, and that's the X Factor cameo that's coming up. <laughs> We're going to talk about that too, because that's <laughs> equally confusing. I feel like somebody just didn't get their notes correct, and they're like, "Yeah, that's yeah, what it seems right. like." <laughs> Let me drop the ball. Because I, I feel like it is supposed to be set in the X Factor time, which would have been months ago, right. sort of by our reading. Uh, but nobody got the note that Widget's not actually like hanging out with Excalibur yet. Anyhow, it was sort of weird that Widget just kind of became a member of the team without anybody ever officially acknowledging that he existed. Yeah, and not only that, like in this issue, he is participating in teamwork. He's doing stuff. <laughs> yeah, he's an integral member of the team. Yeah, uh, and that just 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 kind of happened. It's really weird. So luckily, I mean, I was glad this happened, even though they still are going to fight. Uh, Binary recognizes Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler recognizes Binary. Uh, Kitty recognizes Corsair. It kind of looks like Cree says WTF. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is funny. But yes, you're right. There's recognition amongst those that have met before. Lalandra shouts, Phoenix. Um, Excalibur immediately assumes that this has something to do with, uh, how the Phoenix Imperial Guard or the, uh, the Imperial Guard and Lelandra originally wanted to kill Phoenix. So they think, 
they think that they're going to do that again. But they say, no, that's not what this is. But they fight anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, Deathbird is doing stuff we don't really know. Um, this is where we get, where, where does he start saying, Cap- Captain Britain starts saying, oh, I can't hit a girl. Oh, it's on the next page when he's fighting Hepsiva. I can't hit a woman. I must hit a woman. I don't know if that's supposed to be like, ha ha ha, doesn't every man want to hit a woman? Or if that's supposed to be like, oh man, if I don't like hit her, I'm I'm going to die. I think it's just part of Captain Britain's character at this point. Because he had this exact same thing happen a couple issues ago in Excalibur. Did you ever see, there was a, I guess I don't know what promotional material it was, but it was for Terminator 3, and they were asking him, like, well, how did it feel to be the Terminator up against whoever that actress was? And he's like, oh, it was so much fun. Uh, I got to run her head through toilets and sinks. Can you imagine doing that? Oh, and it came <laughs> off, like, really cringy. Like, do you have yeah. some secret woman hating about you? And. <laughs> You like lobbied for that. Like, here's what I want to do in this scene. I want to take her into a bathroom and just run her head through all of the porcelain. Can we do that? I guess that's kind of weird. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the same vibe I get off of uh, Captain Britain here. That he's just like, oh, it's not right, but I kind of want to. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen any evidence that he is a woman hater or that he is secretly like, uh, afraid of women in that kind of way that I guess you would need to be in order to want to secretly punch women. I don't know. But, uh, he's, he's had some, some issues, right? There's the whole Courtney Ross thing that sort of happened and never got resolved and seemed like he was cheating on Megan. And then he gets he's drunk a cheater, and, and he's definitely a drunk and he definitely has some old fashioned views. He's not a, you know, a plus character, I guess <laughs> he's got some flaws. The star jammer takes off, and I thought it took off because uh, Deathbird snuck into it, but that's not what happens. But Lalandra sees it takes off, and she tries to get into it. Um, and I guess she succeeds for a little bit. Well, Kitty also she phases up there because she's like, "The professor, she knows what to do, or he knows what to do. Let me just go find him, and I'll talk to him real quick." Yeah, it's that's when idea. the ship takes off. Yeah, so so Kitty, tra- staying true to her character, is the smartest one in the book. Wait a minute, you mean Professor Xavier really is in there? Yes, but he's dead. What? What's going on, Lelandra? I gotta go. <laughs> she, she Spider-Man's up there. We get another full page spread. A lot of full page spreads in this. I, I really feel like they're like, man, uh, I gotta fill 48 pages. I like this one because we get Megan as Chode. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a... It's Chode with Megan's uh, outfit and blonde hair. And plus, there's a funny uh, Corsair in the background going, hold it, everybody. <laughs> it's just silly. Yeah. Uh, does Widget teleport the Scree brood somewhere else? I, he. So I think what happens is they open him up and teleport a bunch of other screens oh, to there. Got you. That was not clear, but that makes a lot of sense. Cause you see them later. I'm like, well, he didn't teleport them anywhere. And I thought like his whole thing was to create like d- dimensional portals. Right. And yeah. he goes, up. so it, yeah, I feel oh. like more, more was brought in to help out. Nightcrawler and Raza, they, uh, Raza gives Nightcrawler a sword and then they, they sword fight for a little bit. As I recall, we were quite evenly matched. 
Then you recall them incorrectly, for you always lacked my killer instinct. Then we get a full, another full page spread. Mm-hmm. You're not kidding. Of the Imperial Guard showing up with uh, Guardian and a bunch of uh, there's your Wonder Man. Yep. Bunch of bunch of awesome action figures just waiting to happen. Totally. This expanded universe. This is like this is like Wave Two right here. All these characters. Most of them work for Deathbird reluctantly, but they have grudge or two against us at the moment. Figures. <laughs> And that's when we get an Excalibur cameo where the Excalibur's in the ship danger room equivalent. Uh, And they're not parked in New York. They're still floating over the ocean. Yeah, so that that would place this before they parked. But I don't think Archangel was ever in the ship before they parked. So that's wrong. Uh, But didn't... He must have been because they they all went to uh, the celestial world, which they reference here in a minute. Well, right, but uh, Archangel was doing that whole like I'm a bad guy sort of thing. Wasn't right, right when they got back? Wasn't he like all messed up and then yeah, he yeah, yeah? Then he went and got like uh, with the the vampires and whatnot. But prior to that, prior to ship taking off into space, which is the end of inferno for the most part what was angel doing i don't remember but he he must have gotten on the ship because he went to that planet flying a boot yeah uh the star jammer just keeps reciting two 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 one one two two one two 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 one two 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 one 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 two two which is like some sort of alternative binary instead of ones and zeros yeah uh, it probably translates to something, but I didn't. I didn't try to figure it out. I don't know what it could translate to because it's not binary. You can't well, equivalate this to binary. I mean, I guess you could. Well, you, but. you could if you just replace all the twos with zeros, and yeah. then it becomes binary. And maybe it actually translates them, or maybe it's even more complicated. And the ones translate to zeros, and the twos translate to ones. That could be. Who knows? Hmm. Ship recognizes Starjammer and says, "This is certainly an unexpected, unexpected pleasure." Ship has not seen you since yourself and I dot, dot, dot. Don't feel like answering that. It's like, we don't know where they met and we don't feel like explaining it. So right. we're just going to, we're just going to dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Uh, something's happening to the ship, says Scott. It, taking off, says Scott. Uh, Jean falls and for some reason somebody has to rescue her. So there's your, <laughs> there's your blatant sexism part too. Don't worry, Scott. I'll get her. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's got telekinesis. She can take care of herself. She's absolutely fine. There's no reason, like... I think her look of surprise here is like, why are all these guys trying to help me? I'm fine. (laughs) (laughs) And then we fast... Or we flash over to the Imperial Guard, Excalibur, and the Starjammers fighting. Although, I guess the Starjammers and Excalibur have mostly teamed up at this point. Kind of working together at this point. And somebody even says, Kitty... I guess we're fighting with the Star Jammers now. Oh, well, six of two dozen, one of the other. Or six of one, two dozen of the other. Yep. She faces so that two people knock each other out. Um, Raza stabbed somebody through the chest. Yeah, it was some plant, I guess, because he's like, does plant life oh. depend on vital organs, Raza? Yeah. Sooner or later, I shall find a vital organ, Blackthorn. So he's so he's not dead. And then Nightcrawler, another, another bit of uh, sexism. Megan, I want you out of this madhouse now. But it turns out it's not Megan. It's Hobgoblin. It's Hobgoblin. It's your old pal Hobgoblin. 
Which, yeah, this was a weird, contrived situation because last time we saw Megan, she was doing just fine all by herself, punching out Chode. Uh, so well, Presumably she still is, and Nightcrawler yeah. just didn't realize it. But I mean, like, instead of Nightcrawler being like, Megan, you, you, I need you out of here. I'm worried about you because <laughs> you're a girl. <laughs> is, is he the leader of the team, number one? Number two... Like, wouldn't you be like, Megan, you really did a great job against Chode. Why don't you go take over that gladiator guy? <laughs> yeah. Instead, uh, you need to get out of here. I'm so worried about you. It's a madhouse in here. Not a great choice of dialogue. No. And that's We're getting, when... like, damsel in distresses left and right. Yeah. Unnecessarily, too. They're like, I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then binary and gladiator, they, they fight. Briefly, I mean, uh, Gladiator punches Binary, and that's it. I guess he, she she frizzle fries him first. There's a at the bottom of this page. There's a great um, uh, like, what are all these people's names? Oops, excuse me, Earthquake. Get back, Mentor. Only Starbolt <laughs> should protect Lady Oracle. And you're like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> guess that's who all these people are. Oh, and prior to that, she is White Noise, and he is Black Light. And it's another situation where it's like uh, they're all fighting over protecting Lady Oracle. Oh, good point. Good point. Didn't even capture that. Which, which you're right, is a name grab. But still, it doesn't have to be a sexist name. <laughs> <grab>. <laughs> yeah. Is Oracle Oracle's like the pink outfit with blue hair, right? I'm guessing. I really don't know. She, she seems to be doing fine on her own. Number one, she seems to be doing fine on her own. And she actually seems to be coming into the rescue of Mentor Starbolt, uh, who is being attacked by Chode. Right. So maybe it's all reversed. They're like, oh, she's not rescuing us. We're totally rescuing her. It's a diversion. This is kind of cool. Uh, somebody whose name doesn't... Who did, oh, Astra. Astra uh, grabs Kitty and she's like... I'm supposed to be intangible. And she says, you are intangible, but so am I. And then she punches her out. I thought that was kind of fun. Uh, some vampire woman is getting attacked by all of the screes. And then she's cast away into one of the dimensional portals. Yeah. What's that dude's name? Widget. Excal widget. Widget. Here's where Widget finally has a use. He creates a portal and he shoots people back to their home worlds. Magic, look, we're home. So that's cool. It's a good thing that they threw that in there. Otherwise, it'd be like, oh, my God, where are we? And then the portal <laughs> closes and they're like, it's a fate worse than death. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So they continue to fight. Uh, uh, Raza takes out white noise and black black goo. I think one of them survives because one of them shows him, up does he? later. Somebody later on picks up Deathbird and says it's his mom. And I think that's... Oh, you mean white black. noise? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, black, black light. Black light shows up later and picks up Deathbird. Yeah. And says, Mom, I got to save you. That's coming up. So so Raza didn't kill at least one of them. Uh, in space, ship shows up in, in, in the middle of the Shi'ar armada. And they immediately flee seeing that he is a... A star vessel that can only belong to the Celestials. Ah! So that means because that was a a reveal, maybe maybe in the first part of that X Factor issue. Uh, but that would mean that 
this took place a while ago. This firmly puts it into that timeline, I think. Well, not necessarily. I mean, X Factor doesn't know that. It's just the Shi'ar know that. I suppose you're right. So it could be that ship is now flying to the celestial world. Or it could be that it's just like, hey, there's a star jammer up there. Let me go fly up there. Yeah, I think it's the star jammer came and got ship. And now the two of them are going up into space and shooting Shi'ar ships. And then they're going to return back to normal. You, But you don't see that. You see ship fly up into space and that's it. No, you see ship shoot a couple of Shi'ar and he's like, take that and that and that. Yeah. And but... then somebody says, what transpires without Scott? And we need to reach the bridge to answer that. Well, my friend, can we call it even now, says Ship to Starjammer. So it seems like Star- oh, Ship is helping Starjammer out. Starjammer called in a favor. So yeah. in theory, Ship could now fly back down to Earth. Because I think this is the last time we see Ship and X-Factor. And land. Yeah. Yeah. Or just or, or just permanently be up in space. Sure. <laughs> sure. I guess if we never see Ship again. Okay. Let's keep track of that. So... Deathbird has been sort of off on her own for a while, and uh, she calls forth the power of the Phoenix. Well, we get this weird scene first where Lalandra is on the Starjammer, and she was like, boy, I really shouldn't have bothered with the Starjammer, and then she beams back down to Earth. It's like, why did we need to see her jumping onto the Starjammer if we're just going to beam her back to Earth? It's an editor's note. Somebody's like, well, how did she do that? I don't know. Let me cram another panel in this page. It's... Yeah, it's just not great. <laughs> yep. But yes, then we see Deathbird stealing the power of Phoenix and becoming Death Phoenix, Phoenix Bird. Death Phoenix. Oh my oh god! Oh my god! <laughs> Deathbird's begun some kind of energy transfer from Rachel. Well, I have to try another teleport. And oh that's when the uh, lander's like, "Please do not bother," and she punches Deathbird out. Now, sister, there shall finally be a reckoning. And that's when uh, black light, black light and white noise or just black light, black light. I don't know which one says, no, mother. And then I've got my mother and they they go through a portal provided by widget. That's nice. (laughs) I just realized widget is providing this portal. Why are we doing? Why are you helping them out now, widget? Yeah, it seems like it, it should be a portal to jail, but that's it. Yeah. Uh, so they get Rachel out of the little capsule and she's like, what's going on here? There's a uh, little note on the bottom where Carcel touches the thing and is like, hey, this stills, this thing's still hot, which is important because it explains what happens on the next couple of pages. Now, earlier, we missed this. Um, Corsair's like, oh my God, it's Rachel Summers. What is she doing here? So does he yep. know? That's a good question. <laughs> and how does he know? Because... Scott never knew. Did Corsair yeah, ever meet I, Rachel? Uh, maybe, maybe. I don't uh, think so. Maybe Lalandra has files. Ah, uh, okay. On Rachel. I'll go with the files because I don't think yeah. they ever met. I, I, I don't know when they would have had opportunity to meet. But it's also weird to be like, that's Rachel Summers. That name is like my name. Hey, Grandpa. <laughs> Um, Kitty points out that the professor's still dead and, um, Corsair says, well, I have an idea about that. So this, it sort of changes, right? Yeah. I have an idea about that. And then we change to months later and then it feels like it's setting up a, 
okay, we went through the crazy adventure and we saved the galaxy and now we're like Robin Hoods going on to all these crazy planets and going through crazy missions, which is like, mm-hmm. all right, well, that's, that's I guess, interesting. But yeah, no, so- it's it's a big reveal of like Professor Xavier Phoenix. We get four or five pages of the Star Jammers jamming across the universe, liberating a planet from the Shi'ar, in which we get to see uh, Phoenix, which is the professor, but not really. Um, he's kind of masquerading as Phoenix to scare up the locals into helping fight the good fight. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> like, I, I get, I get that the professor is. They explain it pretty well that the professor is using the temporary powers of the Phoenix before it wears off to do some good. I don't get how they brought him back to dead, but whatever. Or brought him back to life. Phoenix. It rise he rose from the ashes. They just they just like used the residue energy and shot it into the professor. Yeah, the the Corsair said, I have an idea about that and he grabbed a, a big handful of Phoenix power and just jammed it into the professor and well, presumably that's what, hey, this thing's still hot when he's touching the machine. Right. So I guess they put the professor into the machine after Rachel got out. Yeah. yeah. And, and just charged up his, his dead man batteries. I mean, the best way to convey this is by not showing us any of it. <laughs> sure. And then just having a big reveal of the professor in a dark phoenix outfit. And you're like, what is happening? And so he he the the point here is that yeah we're gonna give the galaxy hope we're gonna we're gonna save some towns, and you know we're gonna we're gonna win back the galaxy one planet at a time, and Corsair is yeah. gonna bring out his little pistols and be like, this plan is just the beginning. The Star Jammers are retaking the Shi'ar Empire. We get our final full page spread of binary and. Captain Picard or uh, uh, <laughs> Professor Xavier. Oh God, it's uh, terrible too. Just shooting stuff. I like this one. It's it's for Lilandra. It makes the dialogue no sense. I can live without, but I I like the uh, I like the I like the I like the <laughs> professor as Phoenix in, in this particular panel. I wish they would have made an action figure of Phoenix Professor. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> that would be a super rare one. It's a mail away for sure. Yeah, internet exclusive mail away. And then the whole thing ties together with Thanos somehow. Um, <laughs> uh, it turns out that the person that has been reporting directly to Death Star has secret Death negotiations. Bird. Death Bird has secret negotiations with the cult of death that is uh, worshiping the god of death, the mad god of death himself, Thanos. We get a big Thanos head and people going, hail Thanos, hail Thanos. And uh, this this might be a tie-in to Infinity Gauntlet or something. I don't know. Sure. Or or it could it's like in the pages of Silver Surfer right now, Thanos is setting up the whole Infinity Gauntlet thing. So that's happening in the background. I don't know if these people are aware of that, but yeah, and then we get the same blueprints we got last issue of the Star Jammer. Not in Marvel Unlimited, you don't. Well, you're missing out, man. So I'll be honest, Adam. It was uh, it was more fun to talk through that with you than it was to read it. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think I kind of knew that was going to be more fun to talk about <laughs> as I was reading it than the last one. I mean, the last one, I I think we were just like, and then this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens. Yes, <laughs> it was, a it lot was just of that. like a struggle to get through it. 
But this one, it it like it didn't feel like nothing was happening most of the time. It felt like actual things were leading to other actual things. So it was better. I knew it was going to be fun. Or at least I hoped it was going to be fun. Funner. Funner. More fun. Not a f- not fun to read. I don't recommend anybody read this this little spotlight <laughs> on the Star Jammers. Um, now you don't have to. Yeah, because we just did it for you. And now you know, you know what you need to know. And you know that the Star Jammers... As they jammed through the universe, it's probably the last time we're going to get the stair jammers. So I feel like I should I should send them out on a strong note. Probably. Do you have like a a, a ballad you could give them? <laughs> star jammers. I just do the regular <laughs> star jammers jamming across the universe. Star jammers eating my breakfast and it's worse. <laughs> All right, I kind of ran out of that steam at that point. <laughs> oh, that was some good riffing. Oh yeah. Um, don't they come back in like X Men two seventy five, like right after Extinction Agenda? Oh yeah, you're right. So damn it, I wasted <laughs> I wasted all my energy. Yeah, I'll have to do a techno remix. Oh, now you're talking metal remix, metal techno hybrid remix. That was hard to do and breathe at the same time. So, uh, real quickly, um, let's talk about Wolverine Bloodlust. Uh, so this was a cent like Wolverine doesn't have annuals. This is Wolverine annual two. Yes. Yeah. It is, uh, drawn, uh, Alan Davis, uh, story and art by Alan Davis. So I'm assuming that Alan Davis and Paul Neary did the story. Uh, and Alan Davis does the drawings and Paul Neary does the inking, mm. uh, lettered by somebody, Michael Heisler, mm-hmm. colored by Bernie J. Coloring's kind of cool in this one too. Mm-hmm. Um, Actually, the coloring, the the style of coloring in this issue, the Star Jammers could have benefited from. Mm-hmm. It's, it's much more uh, well done. And then Susan Gaffney, assistant editor, Bob Harris, editor, Tom DeFelco, editor in chief. Yeah, Wolverine Bloodlust. If you were missing Alan Davis on Excalibur, then this is a book to pick up because you get all of your wonderful Alan Davis artwork. Uh, it's good stuff too. Story's not bad. I owned this. And I don't remember it at all. <laughs> Whereas the previous one we did, I also owned, and I did remember that one. Wow. Wait. Oh, Wolverine, not Star Jammers. No, yeah, not Star Jammers. The previous Wolverine annual. What was the previous Wolverine annual? It's the one where he goes to not the Savage Land and uh, finds that Nick Fury lighter and then finds Apocalypse and uh, hangs out with that lady for a while. Oh, and becomes a member of the tribe. Vaguely remember that. And we, we just did it like a couple months ago. And you don't <laughs> even remember it. Well, it was, it was probably about a year ago, actually. So that's fair. So this Wolverine annual, he finds himself in Alaska or Canada? Canada. Canada. And uh, he's got cuts on his hand. He's tracking something. He doesn't quite know why he's here. He's been drawn here for some reason. He's in a bar. He's looking at broken glass and he has a, there's a, there's an openings page, which uh, you just see somebody in the shadows that it's made to look like it's Wolverine, but it's not. Oh, without even like reading to the end, I never thought this was Wolverine, but now that I'm looking at him, like, Oh, okay. I see what they're trying to do here. I didn't either, but I think, (laughs) I think you're supposed to like, see the slight resemblance gotcha. that yeah. he's got 
sort of claws. I mean, it doesn't really look like Wolverine if you know what you're looking for, but it kind of does. But Wolverine thinks it is him because he has the memories of that page having happened. And he has – we fade from – or we don't fade. We cut from the scene of this dead character, uh, that broken glass or ice or whatever it is, and then he's in the bar holding either that same uh, ice, broken glass, whatever it is, or something similar. Well, he says it's broken glass, so I think he broke a mug or something. Oh, that could be. That makes sense. He's got like beer. And that's why all the dudes come over and they're like, looks like you don't like our beer, eh? And this woman shows up and she's like, hey, let me see that. And all these drunk guys are like, hey, he's taking our women. It's a big old bar fight. Wolverine flips the guy over the table. It's a big old bar fight. And the bar fight's actually pretty fun. Uh, It's well drawn, yeah. It's good. It's well choreographed. Uh, It's uh, got a, you know, it leads up to... A, a big guy and Wolverine uh, grabs a broken bottle and almost kills the big guy. Well, he grabs this broken bottle and as he's looking through it, we get sort of a, a reflection of what we saw earlier in the book of like this big teeth, evil looking eyes. And yeah. that's when he starts thinking, rip blood feet. And, and we see he's like about to like just cut this guy's throat out. And then he's like, no, no, fight it. Regain control. Just... And everybody in the bar is like, oh, my God, he's crazy. And the lady's like, okay, murderer guy, come with me. I'll take care of you. You must be drunk. <laughs> You're crazy drunk, mister. Let's get out of here. She has a twist, though, at the end, doesn't she? Yeah, she yeah, does. Yeah, okay. You better low lie for a while. So it, it, it feels a little contrived that this woman's like, oh, this crazy little guy who broke a beer glass and just got in a big bar fight and almost killed that guy. I'm going to take him out of the bar and take care of him. Well, he even he even says something about it. He's like, I, a sense of compassion. I like that. I'm beginning to figure her for a nice kid. And then she says, I like the way you handled yourself. It was good to see you put them down. This fight was exhilarating. So she's like an adventure junkie. Yeah. And he's like, but a guy can be wrong. Yeah. Uh, and then you think they're going to go in for the kiss. Uh, but that's when Wolverine senses something and... Uh, uh, the these creatures like come out of nowhere in a big full page spread. First, we cut to this wide shot of Wolverine crouching, which is like super far away, but I really like it. It's a good it's panel, a cool, yeah. good drawing of Wolverine in the kind of a crouch pose. You're talking about the uh, where the Yukon whatever building is behind him. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's so it's 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 why it's it's cinematic it's it's where yeah. you would pull the camera to get kind of a sense of like desolation maybe even hopelessness and the wind is kind of whipping through the air uh, and then in a very small draw drawing wolverine is kind of crouched down hands ready just kind of like looking around and then the girl you can't see her face at all but you kind of get a sense of she's like well i don't see anything yeah and they they it's 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 very uh they're very alone yes Panels pulled out enough that you can they they feel kind of empty. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Logan, there's something creeping up behind you. It's me. <laughs> yeah. So no matter what, like uh, anybody would say about this issue, uh, there's a lot of really good uh, art happening yes, for sure in this book, including the full page spread of these creatures that leap out at Wolverine and Wolverine sort of racing in uh, again, thinking thirst, blood, kill. And the thing I thought was weird is, like, he's got this little satchel that he's carrying with him. Why does he have this satchel? And it pays off, which is great. I love it. It's his Indiana Jones satchel. 
And then we get some uh, no word balloon fighting between Wolverine and these creatures, which is great. He's got red eyes. Mm-hmm. And he's hacking and slash. He's got like crazy eyes, crazy face. And then he, he kind of like, I don't know, brings himself back to reality. And he's like, oh my gosh, got so t- uh, so caught up in that flight. The girl's gone. I got five of them. The rest is split. Damn, buzzsaw in my head must be swamping my senses. Can't pick up a scent. That'll come back. Yeah, so Will, he, he can't pick up anybody's scent. But he sees the tracks. He sees her tracks and his tracks. And uh, he's like, damn fool, you let him take the girl. And then he opens up his satchel, and inside of his satchel is his Wolverine costume. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a nice touch. Because normally in one of these First books... He strips naked, which oh, is kind of funny. Yeah. It's like he rips off his clothes, and the next shot he's not wearing his pants. He's kind of meditating before his before he puts on his wolverine it's it's nice it's actually nice but it's also kind of silly because it's cold out a meaning because everything behind him his boots his shirts the creatures even the satchel are all sketched black and white not inked sketches and then he and his wolverine costume are inked and colored i mean my the my first interpretation would be the, the the division between the past and the future sure it's it's neat. It's it's a good touch. Um but normally in these books you would see like Wolverine's like all, you know, cut to shreds in his 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 civvies and then the next panel he'd be in his full Wolverine costume and he'd say something like uh, they're never going to know what hit him. And you wouldn't be right. like where the costume come from? I mean you wouldn't think about it cuz it's it's just a comic book, but right. In this they're like nope, he's had it with him the whole time. And we get a three panel spread of him putting on his costume, including including pulling it over his six-pack. You get the Evil Dead 2 sound effects. <laughs> Snicked. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. He, uh, the snowflake hits one of the bodies of the beasts, and it blows up into uh, flames, and that sends him uh, off running Thirst Blood Kill again. And we cut back to inside the bar where the patrons who all got beat up were like let's let's go get them let's yeah. go out uh, there i guess there was a murder oh the murder from the first page uh the the police officers there and he's like you guys stay in here i gotta deal with a murder and I'll, I'll go look for this character who beat you all up but you guys get yeah, just just don't mess around drink your beer stay here stay warm and they're of course like no we're going out we're gonna go get this guy yeah Meanwhile, at a cabin on the edge of town, we get a backstory of this couple that they're going to finally open up a reserve and it's going to be great for the families and it's going to be called the Yukon Gold Rush where people can pan for gold and it's going to be this fun amusement park. And then the creatures uh, dive in and kill the mother and father who are having champagne by the fireplace and presumably these two children. Yeah, they definitely killed the children. And Wolverine's like, oh my God. I killed the family. Wolverine is seeing the the murders as though he did them himself. Was I there or was I hallucinating? One glance at my claws will tell me, but I'm afraid. So he pops his claws and he looks at him, bloody or clean. Look down, damn you, God, let them be clean. And they're clean. And he's like, whew, wasn't me. I begin to understand I'm picking up on what the creatures are doing. It's got to be telepathy. Behind me, it's them. I'm going to kill every damn blasted one of them. But he doesn't connect because one of the lead creature throws out his arm and there's a faz and he flies backwards with a fop. 
and he's it looks like he's on fire but then he's like uh it's gone i feel cleansed tranquil my claws retract the static is gone too i feel great more fire no something different iridescent sparkling beautiful i can see my mutant healing factor it's healing my wounds which is pretty neat yeah and then he's he looks kind of crystalline he's in sort of this i don't know pastel or i don't know very bright surreal kind of watercolor environment and these peaceful looking creatures come up and they're like hello how's it going <laughs> we, we would like you to per, perceive us as we truly are like you see those horrible creatures but we're actually very peaceful and then we get this backstory about how i don't know thousands of years ago they were this peaceful society and then people came along and they were war-torn so they went north, further and further north, and they loved it up there, and they sort of adapted and got all hairy and a little bit more beast-like. Uh, and then and then people, well, they had like kind of a utopia up in the ice, but then people started polluting the land. So then they... And they also were able to uh, connect their minds and travel through space, which is kind of like a random thing that happens in the middle. It's... Over the centuries, we evolved a group mind. Each being contributing selflessly to a one overall conscious. While our bodies remained on Earth, our composite mind roamed the cosmos, exploring, learning, unbounded by time or space. These are really advanced retro folks. Yeah. I like to think that, you know, maybe maybe they started exploring the cosmos in like the 1500s or something like that. And in the 500 years that, that, that uh, ensued, that's when like factories and pollution started. And all of the, they're sort of like, return to their roots and they're like oh man everything's everything's dying we're dying it's definitely over a span of several hundred to thousands of years because you got vikings yep and then you got your modern day factories and they just keep moving away from it all so then the, so most of them remained good and uh wandered uh some died uh, and some just just gave in to their base uh uh emotions and and would eat people yeah they have uh they they decided that they were never gonna like one of their laws is that they can't kill humans sort of like on Krakoa. Mm -hmm. and uh but these guys are going they just uh they eat human flesh and uh these are the ones that are connected to wolverine they even say you could you could totally be one of us, but ex but you have that weird adamantium skeleton, which makes you more close to their uh, version of us. And then they talk about the Elshra, which I never really understood, but it seems like it's a uh, it's the area that Wolverine was in where it all it's all kind of psychedelic, mm -hmm. sort of like the astral plane, I guess. Sure, the Elshra plane. Well, the rest of mankind has lost the ability to reach Elshra. You have not. But as we communicate, the rebels are draining the energy from the Elshra. The Elshra itself is under threat. I, I hate to do this, but we need your help. And you got to go kill the bad guys. Wolverine's like, we cool. We can't do it. I'm in. Yeah, he's basically like, you don't even need to convince me. I'm down. So now he's back uh, in the in the real world. And he's is he paired up with one of these guys? He's paired up with the lead guy. But it's like they're the same. They're doing the same motions, sort of. They're traveling to the same place. Uh, the, the lead guy is helping him find the uh, the dudes, the bad guys. Right. They discover the cabin where the family was killed. 
and Wolverine has to go in to verify that what he experienced is really what happened. Sends him over the edge a little bit. It's in my memory. It's part of me. I'm going to make him pay. Going to kill, 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 kill. And he runs off. Um, the band of uh, bar patrons with guns is out in the cold now. And they get attacked by the bad, let's call them Windigos. Will you look at page 52, top right panel, and tell me what that man's nose looks like? Um, it looks like a, like a nose from like a Ren and Stimpy character. Hmm. I'm going to go with either an upside down mushroom or a penis. <laughs> That's a weird penis. <laughs> they, they, they don't all look like that? I mean, I guess they're all weird, but... <laughs> It's just, it's, no, it looks like uh, it looks like uh, George Licker from Ren and Stimpy. It's a lot of detail on that nose, is all I'm saying. A lot of unnecessary detail, if you ask me. You might be right. <laughs> I feel like he was going for something, but I'm not sure what it was. It's like Johnny Depp's nose in those Kevin Smith movies. I didn't, I didn't see those movies. Uh, it was the Tusk. Well, I saw Tusk. Johnny Depp's in that, and. Uh, I didn't see yoga hosers. I yoga didn't, hosers. I didn't see that. So Johnny Depp had one of his, this is a Kevin Smith story. So if you've heard it, skip ahead. Uh, Kevin Smith uh, got Johnny Depp to do the thing because his daughter was in the, the movie and their daughters are friends. And Johnny Depp was like, I'll do it. But my makeup guy gets to do my makeup. And Kevin was like, sure. And I'm going to have him create a nose for me. And the nose is exactly that. It's like an upside down penis. Hmm. I should watch that movie again. Which Johnny Depp had it had crafted specifically for to be that. <laughs> and uh, now we're gonna have to put the censor note on on our podcast, just in case kids are listening. I mean, I guess we're talking and anatomically correct, yeah. so we're okay. We're not using derogatory terms or anything. That's we're true. Not, That's we're true. not sexualizing anything. It's all, all right, we're we're safe. Yeah, we're safe. We'll, we'll fight you. It's PG, man. If anything. Podcast critics or we're not saying anything people couldn't say on PBS for God's sakes. That's true. So we're on Curb Your Enthusiasm, <laughs> the the opposite of PBS. So the monster, not Wolverine, jumps out and attacks the band, uh, and they start shooting it. But then more monsters show up, and and then Wolverine shows up to save these guys. It's a superhero, one of them, Alpha Flight. There's too many for him. They're killing him, and they're just watching. He's beating them. They're running. He so Wolverine kills a whole bunch of them. Um, One of the guys is like, "Oh, my leg hurts," and the other guys are like, "Ah, oh, he's a cripple. He'll just slow him down. Just leave him. Let's go." And uh, the Wolverine's friend monster shows up and heals the guy's leg, which is nice. Mm-hmm. And then it says, "Just come on, get out of here." <laughs> we don't we don't need you in this issue yeah so they're like oh my god let's go back to the bar i'm sobering up man is still ruled by his base desire to thank the earth mother the true spirit such as logan transcends such barbarity yeah and wolverine wolverine fights man there is some extremely violent stuff happening and by the end of it uh he is so messed up that his healing factor will not be able to save him it looks like he loses an eye or at least he's got an eye shut to the point where we can't see what's happening. Yeah, he is he's messed up, bloody and torn and dying. Yeah. He even says the healing factor can't cope. I'm dying. Mariko. 
Which is nice that he calls out for Mariko and there's no like asterisk. CX <laughs> Wolverine limited series number one through four. But then uh, the guy's like, hey, let me heal you. It's all good. We did this once before. I fixed up my costume too. Neat. If my hailing factor could do that, it'd sure save on tailoring bills. Yeah. <laughs> so they run off. Um, the the hunters or the bar patrons, because I guess they don't have their guns anymore, run into another monster and one of them gets killed. Mm-hmm. It looks like the other ones run away. But then the big guy who attacked Wolverine in the bar also is like, I don't run from nobody. And uh, he gets his throat slashed. Whereas before with the bottle, he didn't get his throat slashed. Interspliced with all this death, you see Wolverine like, feels good. No, it ain't me killing. It's the renegade. Ah, and pull out his heart. Soft as I reach in and pull out his heart. No, kill. Kill, feel power growing. And I drink their souls. Kill, power. Power, kill. We must hurry. The demonic powers of the renegade challenge the natural order. Kill, power. He dares violate the Elshra. And there is a mano a mano of the two monsters, uh, the good one and the bad one. Wolverine is kind of a third wheel in this fight. Doesn't he say in here somewhere, I am power? He does say I am power at some point, um, which, of course, reminds us of Magneto. Yep. I forget where it is, but yeah, he does say it. There's like six pages of fighting here. There's six pages of back and forth, and they're like, ah, you're not strong enough to handle me. Well, you won't win anyway because you're not allowed to fight. And so basically the uh, the friend of Wolverine is on a defensive tact the whole time. Mm-hmm. And eventually Wolverine manages to get in there and get some good kicks out, but the friend of Wolverine monster uh, suffers his life for the whole thing. And beyond help. My mortal frame was too frail to bear the full power of the group mind. You must wait for the others to arrive before you pursue the renegade. He's too strong for you to fight alone. And then he fades into dust. Wolverine feels bad about that. Seen a lot of dying. Lived with it. Was ready to accept it. Figured I knew what it was all about. Now he ain't so sure. Uh, He does not wait for the others because he's like, well, this guy's weak. So I better take him out while he's weak. Wolverine to wait for nobody. (laughs) And he finds a cave following footprints, goes into the cave, and there's human bones in the cave. And he discovers Saskia, the girl. Oh, Logan, he was going to, they're going to sacrifice me. I'm so scared. She's got an accent now for some reason. (laughs) Wolverine can feel the creature stalking him. Says, get back. Get back against the rock. Got to concentrate. Can't let Saskia distract me. Stay back. Uh, He says... Sift scent's got to be a trace. Getting closer. No scent. And she says, Logan. And then he turns around and he's got the kill, kill, kill going through his head. And he stabs Saskia through the gut. The girl had no scent. I ignored it earlier. Figured the static was clouding my senses. But when I could smell the three-year-old boar spoor, I don't know what that is, I knew she had to be the creature. Yeah, he mentions it as he walks in. And very faint boar spoor. What's boar spoor? years old. So like uh, beer, bear crap? Bear crap, maybe? I don't know. Oh, okay. Uh, who knows? Uh, it's kind of interesting because like, I feel like the stabbing thing is a surprise and should be on its own page. Yeah. But since it's at the bottom of a page, like I couldn't help but like scan down and notice it. This should be either a full page spread or, or half of a page on the next page. Because you'd like... 
you know, I had a feeling from the beginning that I couldn't trust her. But at the same time, seeing that Wolverine stabbed some girl is like, that's that's kind of shocking. So right. I want it to be on its own. But it was kind of cool that you it was, it was also kind of it kind of worked because you see it and you're like, oh, my God. And then you turn the page and you're like, oh, it's actually the bad guy. And it is a, a monster. And we have this uh, very colorful, well-colored, monstrous fight between Wolverine and, I guess, the lead creature. Remember in Akira when the, the guy turns into a giant uh, slob monster, like a big uh, grossness? It's kind of like that. I've never seen Akira all the way through. I've never seen Akira all, all the way through either, but this is one of the things that I do remember that there's a big giant pus monster. Okay. It just gets bigger and bigger and pussier and pussier. And that's kind of what's happening here. I feel like one of the characters was voiced by one of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and there was a motorcycle. Um, is that the uh, English translation version? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if I saw the original version or the English version. Who knows? It's too long. I, I It's one of those movies that I really should watch. Same. It's like a classic. That's what they say. That's what they say. Gotta watch it before it gets rebooted. <laughs> ah, Wolverine beats this thing. And there's a huge explosion and the cave uh, collapses because he forgot that they were in a cave. But he manages to dig himself out. I was lucky. I hung in there too long just to inflict pain on the sucker. I could have been crushed or buried alive. It was worth it. And he's got a devilish grin on his face. It's well drawn. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the Nuri show up, and they're like, "Hey, Logan, thanks. You, you're really helpful. Uh, now we gotta go. We're gonna keep going north. We must return to our homeland. That suicide. Stay here in Canada. It's a big country. No, he says, you know? it's a big country. <laughs> yeah. Does he? Uh, no. I don't know. I'm not familiar with that slogan, but I want you to explain it to me. Oh, okay. Well, there's this band called Big Country, and they have a record called Big Country, and the first song that was a hit from that record is called Big Country. Okay. And is that Big Country Canada? Are they a Canadian band? I hope so. Okay. If you're not familiar with Big Country's Big Country by Big Country, <laughs> you should check it out because it was on the radio, and the minute you hear it, you'd be like, oh, I know the song. It's a big country. Yeah, that's that's pretty much how it goes. So the way that you sang it, I thought it was like a commercial jingle. I don't know. the. I mean, it probably was used in a commercial. I don't know how the rest of the song goes. I was imagining that it was a commercial for Canada. It was like, welcome to Canada. It's a big country. <laughs> you get all those stock shots of happy things happening in Canada. You're like, wow, I really should go to Canada. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, yeah. So they go away, and we'll, we get a nice panel of uh, Wolverine standing, looking over at the uh, sunrise, and um, it's, it's kind of fun. He is, says something like, uh, second reference to beer. Anyway, could get really dull flo- floating around the cosmos without a beer. Because he's thinking about how, without the adamantium, he could be like them and soaring through the cosmos, but yeah, hmm. he doesn't want not without beer. There's another mention. Oh, when he's when he's pulling when he's digging himself out of the rubble, he says, "Didn't think I was gonna make it. Could use a beer or ten. I feel like this is the origin of Wolverine being obsessed with beer. I wish I could play a song on my computer, and I wish you could hear it. Me too, but I can't. 
Well, what's the song? Sing it. Well, it's, gonna, it, it's a big country. <laughs> it was going to be the big country song. Well, who's editing this episode? We could insert it in there somewhere. I think I'm editing this one. I'll try to remember. Well, hang on, well, hang on. It, it is so worth it that we should hold up everything just so that we can play it uh, through a tinny iPhone. <laughs> Here we go. Let me fast forward. Yeah, seriously. How long does this beat go on? Oh, forever. I like the fact that the guy went, Shock! Okay, I've heard this song. Yeah, 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 you've heard that song. It's like a poor man's Midnight Oil, which is a poor man's rock band. <laughs> uh, it reminds me of another 80s band. Uh, that is it reminds ex- you of every other 80s band. It reminds me of Men at Work. Really? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. Um, I come from the land down under. Yeah, similar. It's similar. big country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyways, did we finish this thing? Are we done with this? It was good. Yeah, that that was it. Okay. He, he wants he wants to get a beer. All right. And he doesn't want to join the Cosmos because he doesn't he wouldn't be able to get beer. Uh, Marvel Comics presents number fifty six continues the Wolverine versus the Hulk story. Did you read this one? Nope. It's called Shootout at the Fantasy Factory, and I don't know why. There's no Fantasy Factory. There's not even really a shootout. I hate this. I hate this thing. I don't know why we're still covering it. This is the worst <laughs> Wolverine and the Hulk. I love Wolverine. I love the Hulk. This is terrible. Wolverine wakes up in a prison cell and he like panics about how he doesn't want to die. It's, who is this person? This isn't Wolverine. <laughs> I'll escape. I'm not going to die. I'm going to live. I'm going to be free. It's really dramatic and terrible and stupid. Uh, Bruce Banner gets in a car with a bunch of kids who pick up a shirtless Bruce Banner for no reason. Uh, Wolverine breaks out of prison. Okay. So that whole other scene is totally ridiculous. He then goes to a drugstore and pounds pills. Who is this person? <laughs> I feel like Marvel Comics Presents is typically like uh, just people's way to write Wolverine. You can write Wolverine however you want. It doesn't have to be relevant. It's weird, though, when it has like like little notes as seen in Hulk issue 181 or something like that. Well, this is a guy... And I bet you he didn't even go to the editor. He's like, I just want these in here. Like, I know so much about the Marvel Universe. <laughs> Wolverine's a pill junkie now. <laughs> uh, Can we make that okay. canon? <laughs> um, I'm assuming it's because he's in so much pain, but uh, nowhere does he have any reason to be in pain. I don't know what's going on. At any rate, uh, a bunch of police show up and shoot him. So I guess there's sort of a shootout, although technically a shootout would be shooting from both sides isn't that doesn't that isn't that what a shootout is i don't know at any rate hulk shows up and then steals a car that's it hulk steals a car yeah hulk shows up sees wolverine get shot and steals a car i'm not sure a truck so i'm assuming that he put wolverine in the back of the truck but you don't see it so who knows maybe he just drove off that's amazing there must be someone out there who ought to know he's dead wonder if the guy had any family, who his friends were. I don't know anything about the X-Men, says Hulk. <laughs> uh, I don't know what's happening there either. 
But I can tell you that uh, we got one letter. We sure did. <laughs> and it's from Andrew Franklin, and he says, in issue 259, so that's a while ago in real time, I don't know how long ago it was episode time, uh, Legion uses Cerebro and is found by the Shadow King. And the reason he's telling us is, is we couldn't remember when Legion was using Cerebro. Uh, us not remembering something? That is that is shocking. That yeah. is shocking. Yeah, lies. Damn lies. <laughs> Uh, before that, it was bad Jack Wayne personality that was in charge of Legion, making him act bad. I think you were right when you said that Claremont was having to shorten plot lines. Unfortunately, the Mirror Island stuff gets messy and gets even messier in its resolution. Yep, I think we can all agree with that. But thanks for pointing out when Cerebro was, or when Legion was using Cerebro. Uh, even with that description, I still don't remember it, but I believe it happened. I don't remember it either. But yeah, it's always good to have somebody point out that <laughs> something is uh, like legit and not just something that was retconned. Now so. I have to look up the cover of X-Men 259 because I feel like if that happened, it must have been like while Psylocke was being transformed or something. And it's just like some off panel. Nope. X-Men 259 is where Colossus comes back. Oh, random. So must have so just must been... Have been just some Murile stuff. Yep. Probably just a couple of panels. A panel of Banshee going like, hey, Legion, use this. I don't know. Well, all right, fine. Ah, I've been shadow kinged. Shadow kunged. No, I'm evil. Andrew Franklin, one of our excellent Patreon users, and he also goes by Doom and Gloom. Oh, nice. I like it. Like a Doctor Doom and Gloom. So if you'd like to reach out to us and explain things that we've forgotten or things that we've missed, which are so many. It's like making your job so easy. <laughs> I was going to say hardly ever happens. Good luck trying to <laughs> oh, find any of those. Yeah, that, that's what I meant. Because <laughs> you couldn't find any. And if you did, well, then you'd have to write in to let us know because it's so rare. Um, hey, let, let's send Andrew Franklin a no prize. All right. Just uh, Your no prize is on its way. Yeah, we'll, we'll email it to you. You, could, you just add water to the email and it turns into its no prize. <laughs> Uh, get a hold of us at uh, www.xmenpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast. Twitter us at Danger Room Go. Uh, email us at Danger Room at xmenpodcast.com. Or go out to iTunes and subscribe to us. Uh, like us, give us some stars, all that sort of stuff. And uh, patreon.com forward slash Danger Room, where the aforementioned Andrew Franklin is a member, uh, to check out all of the. Um, what do you call it? Uh, exclusive material that exists out there, of which yeah, there's man. plenty. In fact, uh, after I give you this last credit, I have a challenge for you, Adam. For me? Yeah. Okay. Our theme music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld, And the, the, the uh, challenge is not so much a challenge. It's a... Um, it is... I'm throwing down a gauntlet here. Uh, I... Okay. Wow. <laughs> The other day, I don't know if I'll finish this because it's going to be a bit of work for really no payoff. But the other day I was like, ooh, you know what would make a good X-Men TV series? And I, I wrote, I started writing up like a little outline of like how I would do like a, like a, like a MCU style Disney Plus uh, TV show, 40 okay. minute episodes. Uh so, and I wrote out uh, not like a script or anything because that, that would be crazy, but more of like episode one, these things happen. Episode two, these things happen. And then sort of like the arc of like it happens because of this to push this forward to sort of get to the end where you could either branch off into a season two uh, or to its own spin off movie. Okay. 
So the the gauntlet is I did that, Adam, and and if you want to, you should too. But I'm all, I'm not going to challenge you because. Well, how about instead of that, we just do a uh, we just do an episode, a Patreon exclusive episode, where we just talk about that, and you you tell me all your ideas in the world, and then Marvel steals them, and uh, you don't ever get credit. But besides that, I'll disagree with everything and come up with things on the spot. That's fine. And that and that way I don't have to meet your gauntlet because I'll do it live. It feels like it, th- then you don't have to do any work. Well, you know, kind of. <laughs> I mean, I still have to do the work of the podcast. That's true. I'll uh, probably end up editing that episode, so I might have to do even more work. Yeah. So uh, what I did, and I won't, I won't spoil any of the story, but I'll, I'll give you sort of the framework, like a little teaser for you to come on over to Patreon and, and check out what we're talking about. I don't think it'll be a dedicated episode. I think, you know, we'll do our normal, like, whatever uh, uh, Dawn of X thing is, but then on the back end, we'll, we'll talk okay. about uh, the... You know, I, 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 I think we could do it as a dedicated episode. It, well, but we probably could. It's up, it's up to you. It's your thing. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I can talk a lot, and so can you, though. So. Heck, heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we'll, we'll work out those details, but it's coming soon. And, and anyways, what I did was, I think the um, the Wanda and Vision, I think was either nine or ten episodes... So effectively what I did was I wrote down episodes one through 10 and then I started slotting in these different ideas and what characters I would use and and what villains we would encounter, but also sort of thinking about like, you know, you you can't go like, you know, then the X-Men go to Shi'ar, right? Because it's a TV show. So you have to keep your budget down. So you have to sort of, sort of, um, what's the word, uh, uh, tease out like the big stuff for the sort of the finale, the conclusion, and sort of dole out some some good story elements to build you to that. Uh, and then you know just kind of wrote in some various ideas. Uh, and I think I got like the first seven episodes sort of sort of framed in, and then okay. the tenth episode, of course, the finale framed in. So I think I'm struggling at this moment with eight and nine of like, well, how do I? So that that'll be my homework between now and then is to to sort of get the whole thing uh lined up with a reason for why we're going from episode 1 to 2 to 3 to 4 uh etc. You know, okay. like like a story that that has a beginning, middle and an end. Well, this sounds fascinating. I mean, you know, I I I this sounds like a lot of work that I'm glad that you're doing. <laughs> um it it's wasn't really. It was. That... It was kind of fun. It was. It was a challenge to oh, be like, that, yeah. you know, because we always were like, oh, you should. You, they should make the show like this, and then this could be the payoff. And and I was like, well, I wonder, you know, having not ever written much of anything, how how would how would I approach the challenge of here you go, we need you to write out, we need you to storyboard ten ten episodes for the new series. How would I start that if I was handled those responsibilities? And I was like, well, I have no idea. I've never been to a writing class. Uh, I've seen what scripts look like, but you can't just write a script. You have to have like, you know, your arcs. Like, what are we doing here? Then you just fill in the word later. Which I think is better because, yeah. you know, this is probably not ever going to go anywhere. Well, no, so of course not. This, this ends up being an exercise that work, ends up being more fun. And you did all the hard work <laughs> and I get to do the easy part, which is to come on top of it and kind of uh strengthen it i i think that's way easier is like <laughs> taking something that already exists and throwing some legs underneath it sure and and, and i can totally do that two things we, we get out of this we we either find out like how terrible my ideas are number 1 or <laughs> number 2 
we 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 record this and and we like we polish it all off and we talk about our ideas and at the end of it we're like yeah that could be great and then marvel does something completely different which you know which they're gonna yeah absolutely and then we get to look back and do a retrospective of like oh man it was this it could have been this which was better yeah well, you're never gonna you're never gonna believe that what Marvel did was better than what know. you came up with. I mean, that's just like that's how people are. That's true. I mean, I guess my, mine. I mean, I'll 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 spoil this. It's 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 deliciously. I feel like it's deliciously filled with uh, fan service. Okay. So it's what I would want to see. So of course, uh, n- nothing that they come up with. What they come up with could be great, but it'll never be as probably as as fan servicey as and as delicious delicious as what I'm trying to convey. I like it. That sounds so, like fun. We'll see what happens. There you go, people. That's worst, worst case scenario. Uh, or best case scenario, rather, we we do some audio episodes of your episodes somehow. But that sounds like a lot of work too. <laughs> that that so sounds like, I'm just throwing that out there. I don't think it ever gets past like the point of synopsis, but uh, it probably doesn't get past the point of doing a, uh, doing an episode about it. Yeah, exactly. So. Uh, oh, or maybe, maybe, you know, we, we pitch this whole thing to the Patreon audience and some plucky script writer is like, I know how to write that. Yes. And then they write us the episode and then we cast it and act it out. Oh my gosh! Produce it. Woof. When we become we become producers, then and they they get script writing and writing credit, and uh, everybody's happy. And then when the X Men movie does or TV show comes out, they sue us and and give us a cease and desist because <laughs> we're we're diluting the product. Think about it, writers. You get a built in audience of at least four people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This could be your big breakthrough. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Adam, you got anything else? Is there anything else to be had, really? I think I think we've covered everything. Thanks. I think you're right. I think we have. So, until next time, my name's Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the Danger Room is closed. Extinction Agenda, coming up.